Hey readers, welcome to the Brantford Public Library's Juicebox Book Talks. I'm Leanna. And I'm Laura. We are two Library 11 techs working in the Child and Youth Programming Department with a passion for children's literature. And this is the place to discover new and exciting book recommendations for kids. In each episode, we discuss a book we've read together as a buddy read, and then we choose a variety of titles for different ages based upon theme. We will explore books, spoiler free, available at the library in print and digital form, which include picture books, junior fiction, and graphic novels. So find your favorite book nook, get comfy, and let's get started. Laura. Well, hello there, Leanna. How's it going? It's good. You? Not too bad. It's a brisk winter day. It's sun is shining though. The sun is out. So that's good. Yes. Snow and sunglasses. That's what I'm saying these days. It's great. It's a concrete combination. I love it. It's a gorgeous day. Um, So welcome listeners. Here we are for another episode of our Juice Box Book Talks. Today we are going to tackle Black History Month, which starts officially tomorrow. So we're recording today on the 31st. So February 1st is the official first day of Black History Month, which is a great one to discuss. And there's so many great books out there right now. I mean, not even just about like Black History Month, but like so much great informational books out there for kids to learn about so many amazing Black people. So absolutely. And the theme for Black History Month 2022 is February and forever celebrating Black history today and every day, which I think is an important reminder to be like, look, this is a month where we observe and celebrate um, Black influencers, authors, creators, just everyone but it doesn't just end at the end of the month it's not like absolutely March 1st don't read any more anything to do with this again so I think that's a great theme that we have on the Canadian it's actually the Canadian Black History Month website that I found it it. Um, so it's great so it's just a great way to discuss um, just different achievements of Black contributions in our community and throughout history so I think today like we wanted to use that topic to just highlight a lot of books in our collections by Black authors. So there's some fun stuff, there's some historical stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, We tried to make it like a nice mix of subjects and stories and genres. And phenomenal authors really, like Mm -hmm. illustrators, everything. So yeah, it's just a great mix of everything. Okay. Okay, let's do it. Let's jump in as always with our buddy read. We chose for this month to read Stamped for Kids. And if that sounds familiar to you, it's because there are three versions right now of Stamped. So Ibram X. Kendi created Stamped from the beginning, the definitive history of racist ideas in America, which is this giant 600 page tome. Like it's a huge book. It's definitely one to tackle like a slow and steady book. It's one you'd probably right. want to note. I haven't personally read it, but that's where the st- series began. Right. After that, our favorite Jason Reynolds came out with Stamped, Racism, Anti-Racism, Racism, and You, which is like a remix. They call it the remix of Ibram X. Kendi's Stamped, which right. I read and I think is phenomenal. We have it in the young adult section of the library if you're interested. Yep. It's great. And then after that, Sonia Cherry, who is a former middle school English teacher um, who worked developing curriculums that centered around racial literacy in um, K to 12 schools, she came up with Stamped for Kids, which is the book that we're going to talk about today. And it's amazing. I have to toot, like it has art by uh, Rochelle Baker, which is also fantastic. That really pairs well with it too, especially to engage um, your visual learner kids. So this is great. Yeah. Right. So it, it's also it's such an accessible read. It's, it's under 200 pages. There's beautiful illustrations. There's lots. The one, the first thing I noticed when I opened it up was there's lots of white space on the page. So if you have a young reader, you know, between eight to 12 years old, and they pick this up, they're not going to be intimidated like they would with a textbook or a big book about racism. Like this is a heavy topic. I mean, race is that other four letter word that people sometimes get a little uncomfortable with. 
Um, but this book is so accessible and I think they would just pick it up and be like, okay, I can read this. There's short yep. chapters, there's pictures. There's not a lot of like, like words, like everywhere, like, you know, that's going to overwhelm them. Yeah, it's great. Great graphics throughout it. I love the timeline at the end, the glossary for kids to look and refer to. It's fantastic. So and it's full of like so much great information too. And I have to say, like, I love the pauses when they take the pause in each chapter. It's great because you're giving these kids all this information condensed in a really condensed way. It's easier for them to process, but the pause is good because then it gives them, you know, a chance to stop and think, okay, what does this mean? Let's break it down and let's start a discussion. So I love that they take the pauses in the chapters to really bring it, like take that information and take it to a different level for kids to sort of go, huh, okay, let's let this sink in. And what does it mean? And how can we, what can we talk about it? You know, like, it's just, I loved it. It's, it was a great approach for kids. So yeah or adults really either, like for anyone. Yeah, I think it's, it's perfect for kids. Mm -hmm. I think it's great for the classroom, like if yes. it's incorporated into the classroom, because I mean, there's just so much to pick apart. It's a mm -hmm. great introduction for readers who really want to dig more into the influential people that are discussed. So it obviously, it, there's no deep dive into these influential people, but you, yep. it name drops. So it's like, this person did this. And it's like, hmm, who's that person? I'm going to go investigate right. who that is. And it's just, yep. you can go down that historical rabbit hole. And I will say like coming from Canada, obviously, like I mm -hmm. still believe like U.S. history is still really important. And I know this isn't directly Canadian based, but it's a perfect, like just, it's just such a perfect way to start that research and to just mm -hmm. to get a broader sense of what's been going on, what has gone on and yep. just makes, you know, the world today as crazy as it is sometimes make a little bit more sense. Yep. So I definitely recommend this. Um, that's stamped for kids by Sonia Cherry. Okay. I'm going to shift gears and I'm going to move from the United States to Canada. And I'm going to talk about two picture books about Canada's own Viola Desmond. And I have to ask you, Laura, do you know who she is? Not much. I'm not going to lie. Like, I really okay. don't know a lot about her. I mean, I know the name, obviously, and I know like bits and pieces, but not enough, obviously. Okay. So I was shocked when I started to read about her because I as well didn't know too much. And I thought, what is, is there something wrong with that? Like, I should know who this amazing woman is because Viola Desmond was one heck of a lady and she is well known well, not well known because we don't know her. I don't know if the like, I don't know. Like I the name is well known for sure. I'm just not, I should be more of a history buff, I guess. Well, she was so the reason why I recognized the name is because she in 2018, she is the first Canadian woman to appear alone on the front of a banknote, which is our $10 bill. So I recognize right. I the name sounded familiar, she looked familiar, but I did not know her story. And she is from Halifax and she was quite the entrepreneur she was into um she was a beautician and she would train go to um train beauticians and she had her own um beauty salon back in it's like the 1940s and she was like this was a time where everything was segregated like the gym laws everything was white and colored like entrances drinking fountains and she couldn't, she wanted to go to school. She wanted to have her own business, but she had to actually move. I think it was to Montreal to actually go to school because Halifax, she wasn't allowed to because she was black. Hmm. So she was way ahead of her time in this male dominated society. She had, she was funky. She had a business sense. And this was back in the day where we obviously didn't have Amazon. So she would sell her beauty products by driving from place to place. And she was doing sort of like a little road trip along the merry times and her car broke down. So when her car broke down, she was going to get it fixed and it was going to take a while. So she decided to go to a movie theater to just waste a little bit of time. And while she was there, she purchased a ticket and she sat in like the orchestra area of the theater. She did not know, or maybe she did know, but colored people were supposed to sit in the balcony. Right. So when Usher comes down and tells her she needs to move and Viola's like, no, I have a ticket. Like I'm allowed. I paid money. I'm allowed to sit here. 
And it becomes quite the scene where she's very roughly removed from the theater by the police and put into jail. So all this to say that she does get um, convicted and arrest, arrested and convicted. And they uphold this, like they don't do anything to reverse that arrest, which is right. a bit of a stain on Canadian history because they didn't like the judges and the courts thought it was okay, which just basically confirms that they agreed with her being in the wrong because of the color of her skin. So move forward to 2010, Viola's sister becomes a pivotal part of her pardon. So she actually, in, like from 1947 to 2010, they- wow the Canadian government um, grants her a free pardon and declare that she should have never been charged for that violence in the movie theater in 19, not violent, that violation in the movie theater right. in 1947. So I was like, I did not know the story. Now we're going to talk about Rosa Parks in a little bit, because I do have a, a graphic novel I want to bring to the show. Um, but this, this incident with Viola Desmond was nine years before Rosa Parks. And I feel like wow. we know everything about Rosa, but right. Viola, even in living in Canada, we're like, who is she? And I have to say, when I was doing my research and you know, learning about her history, uh, I went to work to, I was selling the fundraiser donuts and one of my coworkers paid me with a $10 bill. So I feel like, there was, that was some sort of a sign. Like I was like, oh my goodness, I'm, you know, I'm just learning about her. And then it, she's like staring at me in this $10 bill. So I highly recommend these two picture books. They're narrative nonfiction, which you can talk about for hours about yes. narrative nonfiction because they're beautifully illustrated. The first one is Viola Desmond Won't Be Budged by Jody Nyasha Warner and illustrated by Richard Rodnicki. And the second one is Meet Viola Desmond by Elizabeth McLeod and illustrated by Mike Dx. These are great narrative nonfictions. I recommend both. Yes, definitely learn more about this amazing woman in Canadian history, Viola Desmond. Okay, so this month I don't have an emergent pick, but I do have a really great nonfiction pick that we just actually added to our collection at the end of 2021. It is called She Raised Her Voice, 50 Black Women Who Sang Their Way Into Music History, written by Jordana Elizabeth, illustrated by Brianna, I hope I'm saying this correctly, Dengu. I hope I said it correctly. I couldn't find a pronunciation. I looked it up online. So, and I'm always big about pronouncing the last names, right? So I hope that's right, Brianna. Um, so I think this is a great springboard from Viola Davis. Or I said Viola Davis, just like you said, Viola Desmond. <laughs> anyway, she raised her voice, 50 Black women. I love this book. So it's a great this is not only a great thing for um, a music history buff, which I am. I mean, I love anything to do with music history. Um, this book is fantastic because it has wonderful illustrations by Brianna Dengu. Like the, her, the eyes in each picture just pop from the page. And her use of colors that she uses throughout are fantastic too. But what I love about this book is that you have... 50 women from different walks of life, different genres of music. Some are singers, some are musicians. And I mean, some of these women you're going to know, like you're going to know Beyonce, you're going to know Queen Latifah. Um, you're going to hopefully know some of the older ones like um, Anita Baker or Aretha Franklin. But um, I just, I thought it was a great book. There's so much great information. In it. So it's like, to me, it's like the um, Goodnight Rebel Girls. It's very much like that series of books. You're getting a short, like page and a half biography about these phenomenal women. But I love that in these biographies, this is written for kids, but some of the information that is in these biographies is very raw and real facts about these women like there's um one about Ronnie Spector who I, I love Ronnie Spector because I love the Ronettes um I love that time frame of music but and Ronnie actually just passed away in January a few weeks ago so I love that like they, they actually like bring to light her relationship with Phil Spector and how it was just not a healthy relationship her being locked in her house for years when she was married to him like stuff like that like I mean so it's definitely geared to more your like tweens, preteens, right? But at the same time, this is a great book for anyone to pick up if you're just looking for a really quick 
bio about these phenomenal women who have made fantastic leaps and bounds through all different forms of music, different genres, opera, hip hop, pop, punk, like just a great book. She raised her voice, 50 Black Women Who Sang Their Way Into History, written by Jordana Elizabeth and illustrated by Brianna Dengu. That sounds great. I love that you mentioned Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls because mm-hmm. I feel as though that um, those types of books, biographical books, where it's those yeah. gorgeous illustrations, yeah. and about a page and a half of biographical information. So it's that perfect, again, one of those primers where it's like, yep. here's this person. I'm going to give you just this teeny little bit of information yep. that's really interesting. And then they yeah. can decide. I'm, I'm going to investigate or research that person. I really yeah. want to get to that person because they sound really interesting. Yeah. And the good night stories for Apple girls was great. In addition to this, because there are a lot of yes. uh, influential black people in there too. And absolutely. I, I own those copies. My daughter owns those copies and we read them once in a while. And I'm, mm-hmm. I even learn like we're constantly, of course. Yeah, even as yeah. adults. So that's a great pick. So Thanks. I'm going to, discuss my first graphic novel um, for today and it's another amazing woman not a musician but another amazing woman Rosa Parks and this is the graphic novel Who Sparked the Montgomery Bus Boycott by Insha Fitzpatrick and illustrated by Abel Hayford and this is one of the graphic novels in the Who HQ series of books put out by Penguin Kids um, which goes the series, I think there's only maybe a half a dozen in the series, but they highlight well-known people in history. I know there's one on Joan of Arc, which I really want to pick up. But of course, it's in that graphic novel. Um, it has the graphic novel set up and it's really accessible because again, there's not like tons of words on the pages. The illustrations are quite um beautiful and like engaging like you really I don't know how they do this but the colorist or the illustrator like really shows emotion in the characters and I mean the subject is an emotional subject so it's just really really well done and constructed um Rosa Parks is she's known for being basically the first lady of civil rights who refused to give up her seat to a white man on a city bus and that was the rules, which is just absolutely bonkers to me. Um, I mean, I won't get into the whole civil rights movement. I mean, if you're interested in that, you can research that. This is a great primer mm-hmm. for people who are interested yeah. in it. It's a great um, like jumping off point um, because it is the whole book is populated with a lot of different activists who work with Rosa on this. Um, including Martin Luther King Jr. Again, um, someone go down that rabbit hole. Um, it's very well done. I highly recommend this one. Um, and that's Insha Fitzpatrick's Who Sparked the Montgomery Bus Boycott, which is about Rosa Parks. I am here with my first middle grade pick for the month. This is the first book I actually read all year, actually, whether it was adult or kids. Um, it is called Mighty Inside by Sandy Fraser, And I love this book. I gave it five stars. It was fantastic. Um, the book is set in 1955. So historical fiction. We're in Spokane, Washington. We're introduced to Melvin Robinson, who is 13 years old and just starting high school. He's a, it's a bit of a progressive community that he lives in, in the sense that it's an integrated school in an integrated neighborhood in 1955. This is a big deal. Um, But that doesn't mean that there aren't prejudices because there definitely are. Melvin's Black, he's the third of four siblings. They're all very successful and very ambitious, even at young ages. And Melvin is bullied, not just not because of his skin, but because he has a stutter. So, I mean, I don't think that it, he's definitely more targeted because he's Black in that community, because he is bullied by a bunch of white boys. So here's what I love about Melvin. He is a super smart kid. He has this stutter and he definitely tries to, he keeps to himself more because he's not confident to to speak the words he wants to speak. Um, And in 1955, things were just a little bit different when it came to like speech pathology and things like that. So 
I love that Melvin, he loves to learn in his room. He has National Geographic posters everywhere. We don't get the National Geographic magazines like we used to when we were kids, right? They come with those maps and everything. So he has those in his room. He's He loves to learn about science. He loves to think about exploring and doing things with his life. Um, he's also a, a musician and he's given an accordion at a young age and learns to play the accordion. So when we meet Melvin, it's the first week of high school um, and he immediately meets a new friend. He's a Jewish friend. So this is the thing. It's 1955. These kids are baby boomer kids. So they're coming, well, not baby boomers, but just kind of on that cusp. So this is post-World War II, um, like World War II ended in 1943. So these kids were born when the World War II was ending. There's a lot of things happening in America at the time and in the world, really. So that's what I loved about this book. I was kind of sent down a rabbit hole of opening my mind and, you know, learning more things. Um, like I said, Melvin's best friend is a, a Jewish boy. He has a crush on a Japanese American. So, I mean, there's prejudices in place in this book, not just against Melvin because he's black, but against his friend who's Jewish, against his crush, who's a Japanese American, which at the time, like a lot of things happened with those Japanese Americans, you know, during World War II. So again, lots of different research to stem from this book. Um, Emmett Till comes up in this book, uh, and that's kind of where Melvin really comes to terms with the fact that prejudices are there against Blacks. Uh, I mean, I think they definitely experiencing things in their neighborhood, but when that comes up and he brings it up at school and he reads and sees and learns about Emmett Till, he tries to spark conversations at school and he's shot down about it. So that's the thing. And honestly, I didn't really know much about Emmett Till either. So there I am, like doing my research too. And ironically enough, there is that limited series on TV right now, Women of the Movement, which I just have to find the time to watch because now I'm really, truly interested in like this, this tragic story of this 14-year boy, Emmett Till, who of course Melvin can relate to because he's 13 years old. So anyway, listen, beyond all that heavy stuff, this is just a fun book about a kid who makes some good friends. He comes from a fun family. Um, and I love that like, he connects with the music because when he joins the choir in high school, his stutter is gone. When you're singing, you don't stutter. And he finds that confidence and just through music. So read the book. You'll learn a little bit more about that. But it's just a great book. It's called Mighty Inside by Sandy T. Frazier. And I absolutely loved it. I hope you pick it up. That sounded so good, Laura. Great Thanks. job. Thanks. I love, that. I love that book. It was so great. Wow. Many layers. Lots totally. Layers. Totally. So I'm going to use Emmett Till as my segue into my next book. Now, this is a book that I'm, I can't describe as fun, but it is a must read. It's important. It's five stars. I loved it. I read it with my daughter. I bought it for my daughter a couple of years ago. It is Ghost Boys by the remarkable Jewel Parker Rhodes. This came out in 2018 and I have since reread it and it's, it's still just as brilliant the first time. It is a must in the classroom. Now, I'm going to say this one more time. <laughs> it needs to be in the class. It needs to be part of the curriculum in grade five, in grade six, in grade seven. Somewhere in that middle school area, I think all kids should read this. Okay, what's Ghost Boys about? Ghost Boys is about Jerome. The book opens with Jerome realizing that he is dead. So this is no spoiler, Jerome is dead and he has been shot by a police officer. We learn that he is accidentally shot because the police officer mistakes Jerome's toy gun for a real gun. So the story is about, okay, heavy. Yes, this is heavy, but this is real. And this Yikes. is important. Yeah. And um, we have to talk about stuff like this. So Jerome, in the beginning, he's trying to navigate that afterlife because he can see his family. He's observing his family, you know, going through the grieving process. He also visits the daughter of the police officer who killed him. So he can get that side of the story because obviously she's not doing very well. So he's talking to that daughter. And then he is visited by Emmett Till. And I mean, Emmett Till as a character in a fiction story that is could be nonfiction. I mean, this could have been nonfiction to me because I think just the way the world goes, like it's nonfiction fiction. So he's visited by Emmett Till. They refer to him as the leader of the Ghost Boys, as Laura mentioned, at 14 years old in the Jim Crow South. He was killed for, I believe, whistling at a white woman. I think that's the story. I don't know the whole background to it. 
but it's awful and it's tragic. And Jerome becomes friends with Emmett Till because now they're a part of this ghost boy club. And that's dark and haunting and just so sad. But Jewel Parker Rhodes does it in just such a beautiful way. The story, like I would recommend parents and teachers reading along with kids. I'd be, I wouldn't, depending on. For sure. I think you're right there. I I just feel like it's so heavy that I think when I read it with my daughter, like we, she had so many questions and she was like, what do you mean? Like he was just shot. Like she's, you know, and she's just, Mm -hmm. and I think that's so important, especially as a young white girl to understand that it's not the same for everyone. Every every walk of life is just correct. Drastically different. It will haunt you, but it will also teach you and change you in your worldview. I, I think it's, oh, it's fantastic. And I'm so excited that I could bring it today because I think everyone should read this. I have to mention that I read this at the same time as Jason Mott's Hell of a Book, which mm. is an adult book, a crazy adult book, but it it delves into the same themes. And I feel right. like if you want to do, like if you're a high school student and you're trying to do like a pairing with like a middle grade book and an adult book, the two of them work well, like brilliantly. Like I saw a lot of the same themes and stuff going on that like I just like oh ghost boys talked about that or this um it's just it's it's really well done anyway that's Jewel Parker Rose ghost boys I have my first picture book selection for the month. I do have three picture books this month, but the one I'm going to talk about now is a narrative nonfiction, um, which of course we love. And there are so many wonderful narrative nonfictions in our collection that you should definitely pick up. Uh, This one is a really fitting one for um, Black History Month. It is the the 1619 Project Born on the Water by Nicole Hannah-Jones and Renee Watson, who we love, illustrated by Nicholas Smith. So First, let's start with what's the 1619 Project, because that's what people are going to ask. Well, what is that? Um, Nicole Hannah-Jones is a writer for New York Times Magazine, and she started this whole initiative when the 400-year anniversary of 1619 was coming. So she wanted to uh, bring to light, you know, more information about the founding of America, not just about these European white people who came in and invaded the country and took it over. There's a lot more to it than that. And really how um, slaves were brought in from Africa on these boats by these Europeans and how really they are an integral part of the foundation of America. Uh, Born on the Water, representative of how when they came over on these ships, they were there for months. Think about how long it would take to go from Africa to the United States on a, a boat, not motorized, just a ship. I mean, anything back then, exploration at all back then would have just been anyway. So this book is, um, it's written in verse. So it's, you know, each poem um, evokes different sorts of emotions. But what the book begins with is our book begins with a young girl who is tasked to trace her roots and to create a flag that represents her history. Um, But she can only go back so far. She tells her grandma when she goes home that, you know, I don't really know much other than a few generations. Um, And the family gathers around to learn about where they come from. And it goes from there. The poetry paints the pictures of before, during, and after these journeys that um, Africans, you know, embarked, I don't want to say embarked on, were forced to to take. Uh, I love that throughout the, the book, repetitively, it says, ours is no immigration story this is not an immigration story at all. And that's the thing that people need to know and understand. They weren't willingly coming to America. They were happy where they were and thriving, really. Hence why these Europeans came and took advantage of that knowledge and ripped them from their country and brought them where they are. Um, I just, it's, it's a great book because it's going to spark those conversations. It's going to spark that research, but it also, um, it paints the picture and not in too heavy of a way for young readers, because this is targeted to young readers. But if you are an adult, this, the, the book, the 1619 Project is a big book, um, just like stamped with lots of information and lots of things to, you know, delve into should you choose to. Um, The illustrations convey so many emotions. Nicholas Smith did such a phenomenal job with this book, like that you feel things when you look at them. Um, Like this book is, it's a story that needs to be told and these books, they need to be read and they need to be shared to spark inquiry and to, you know, broaden your knowledge and your history information. So this was great. Uh, The 1619 Project, Born on the Water by Nicole 
Nicole, Hannah Jones, and Renee Watson, illustrated phenomenally by Nicholas Smith. That sounds, I'm getting chills just listening. I know. It's, Can I see the cover? Can I see the cover? I see the cover. Oh. Well, wow. the, the back with the goat, like the ghost ship, like it's just. Haunting. Yeah, it's, it was phenomenal. Good job. Thanks. My next book, I have another middle grade that I'm super excited to talk about because it's brand, brand new. It was just released in January of 2022. Canadian author Lawrence Hills, Beatrice and Croc Perry. And this is his first middle grade. I'm so excited. I know, I know, I know. know. So you should know Lawrence Hill, um, at least for his phenomenal adult book, Book of Negroes, which I read like 10-ish years ago, quite a long time ago. It's excellent. Definitely pick that up if you're an adult reader. Um, So Beatrice and Croc Harry, what can I say? This is middle grade. It's his first middle grade. I can't say too much because I can't give anything away. It is a bit of fantasy. It's a bit of mystery. There's a little bit of weirdness. You really don't know what you're going, what you're getting into because you meet our young protagonist, Beatrice, and she wakes up in the middle of a forest. She has no idea how she got there. She doesn't know where her family is. She doesn't know what's going, like how to get out of the forest. And she has to just sort of navigate life alone. Her only friend who is a 700 pound crocodile. So you're like, what is happening? What is going on? And there's this cool book trailer that I saw on YouTube. That's that I thought it was really pretty. And the little tagline was, welcome to Argelia, which is where Beatrice is. So the forest is called Argelia. A magical place where fish, bird, and mammal coexist, where any beating heart can communicate with another, and beyond the forest is a family awaiting your return. Isn't that crazy? Oh my gosh. You're like, it sounds so good. It's, it is so good. Um, I watched an interview with uh, the lovely Lawrence Hill. I, I just, I think he's just the sweetest man. He did a little interview from his house in Hamilton and he talked about how he was having a bit of a writing slump and he delved into middle grade to sort of get out of that rating, which I thought was, which I mean, is that comfort for everyone? Because I know my comfort sort of reading palate cleanser is always middle grade. Like if I'm totally. reading books, I'm like, okay, it's time to pick up a middle grade. So even authors who write adults are like, I need a break from these adult books that I'm writing and I'm going to write a middle grade. So he decided to write a middle grade and he based the story on stories he used to tell his own daughter. So his own daughter, she's named Beatrice. I know we love these connections. I, I remember love it. I love it. Remember like Maggie O'Farrell's? Yes. My daughter. Yeah. So Lawrence Hill writes it based on the stories he used to tell his, well, she's a now adult daughter, Beatrice, um, about the, the little girl who's like a bit of a warrior, a fighter, just trying to, you know, live her life. So I thought that connection was great. Also, he talks about the loss of his mother because there's a there's some this story does deal with grief. Um, and he talks about his mom dying and how he went to Switzerland with her to be there for her assisted like oh. death, which is I can only imagine just so hard and awful. So he wrote this. So this is like a beautiful thing that came out of the, his own grief. And like I said, I can't give you too much about the plot because it, you're. I was telling Laura earlier, halfway through, there's like a pivotal moment where you're like, that's why she's there. That's what happened. That's what's going on. And it is magical. Like, it's just absolute magic. It's beautiful. It reminded, there's a lot of um, whimsy to it with those little like rule doll-esque moments because, you know, like she's only, she's there with animals. All she, the only people she can only mammals she can talk to or this is like a crocodile and she um yeah she has to she's really trying like she's communicating with um this crocodile who knows a lot of words and um Lawrence Hill includes this really funny St. Lawrence dictionary of only the best words real and concocted at the end of the book which is just it's it's a pure it's a pure delight it's lovely it reminded me of the phantom toll booth if you're like if you enjoy classics like that, it was really well done. I highly, highly recommend this one. That's Beatrice and Croft Perry by author Lawrence Hill. I'm back with my 
remaining two picture books. So these two picture books that I've chosen are visually like stunning to look at, of course, and just, they're just great books. My first picture book that I'm going to talk about is Change Sings, a children's anthem, words by Amanda Gorman and pictures by Lauren Long. Um, So listen, Amanda Gorman, if you don't know who she is, you were living under a rock in 2021 because her inaugural, she was part of the inauguration ceremonies with Joe Biden and she read that phenomenal poem. And I mean, her outfit choice has been replicated in many places. I went to Stratford this past summer and uh, one of the actresses actually wore a very similar outfit to talk about like that pivotal moment and things that have happened in the last couple of years. So anyway, Amanda Gorman, she's awesome. And Lauren Long, I love Lauren Long. I love the Otis Tractor series uh, of his picture books. He's great. So um, it's a beautiful, it's written in verse because that's what uh, Amanda Gorman is. It's, It's a poem. The book is a poem and really it's an ode to children and to anyone really about how you're the ones that can raise your voice and make things happen and be a voice for the future, especially for kids, because I mean, they're, they are our future. Um, It's just, it's a great, it's a poem of love, understanding and inspiring others to evoke change. Change comes from within. Um, It's an, the illustrations are inclusive. I love that there's different diversity. Um, There's different representation for all like abilities, disabilities, whatever you want to call them throughout the book. It's fantastic. I also did a little bit of research about Amanda Gorman as I was um, writing down my notes and I didn't realize that she had a stutter too as a kid. And you're gonna love this, Leanna. She used Hamilton to help her, especially with Aaron Burr's thing. She would use those to help with her speech, like to get. I love, like, I just, I think she's an amazing. She's an amazing young woman. Like she, and I say young woman because she is like literally Harvard graduate, 23 years old, I think. Like so young, and such a bright future ahead of her. And she has such a great head on her shoulders that I just you just know you're going to see great things from her, right? Like there's just so much more to come and I can't wait to see what Amanda Gorman does with her life going forward. So that was Change Sings, a children's anthem, words by Amanda Gorman and pictures by Lauren Long, who we love. Okay, my next one is Milo Imagines the World. This is, of course, a pairing made in heaven. It's words by Matt De La Pena and pictures by Christian Robinson. Can I just tell you, um, this is my thing about Christian Robinson that I love. And I don't know if this comparison's ever been made before, but his illustrations really remind me of like 1970s, 80s Sesame Street. Like, I don't know. I don't know if that's just me or what, but I just want to like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. Anyway, and if you've seen Christian Robinson, I think he'd be such a great fixture on Sesame Street. Anyway, I'm just saying. Okay, so (laughs) Milo imagines a world. Here we go. We meet Milo as he and his older sister are finding their way onto the subway. His sister has her phone in her hand, as older siblings often do, and Milo holds his notebook and his colored pencils. They're on a monthly journey, and they're both feeling anxious, and I like that he says that they're, they're shook up like soda. They're shook up soda. That's how they're feeling on this subway adventure that they take every month. Milo is a people watcher, which I mean, in a big city on a subway, if you're a people watcher, like the things you would see and the places that your imagination could go to. And that's how Milo spends his journey on the subway, imagining people who come on and off of the subway. Who are they? Where are they coming from? Where are they going to? And he takes his colored pencils and his notebook and he draws what he thinks of these people. I can't give away too much more than that, but I will tell you that Robinson's illustrations are, again, just so incredibly unique and your eyes are just drawn to like it's just they're just amazing and his use of collage and paint and I just I love it. And of course, Matt de la Pena, who of course won the Newberry for last up on Market Street and Christian Robinson won the Caldecott for, you know, illustrating. And they're just, they're such a great pair. And this is, this is what I think they're third pairing together, but I just love it. Milo imagines the world words by Matt Pena and illustrated by Christian Robinson. Sounds good. I watched, did you watch that Newberry? Yes. He was at, yeah. He was, he was great. Yeah. He is great. Okay. So my next book is another graphic novel because I think we should really be recommending lots of graphic novels because there's so much out there and they're all brilliant. And I, 
Like I have failed to see a badly written graphic novel in the last few years. Like they're just great. So my graphic novel that I want to talk about is Twins by Varian Johnson. He's an author that we have talked about before. You may have um, read The Parker Inheritance, which is a fantastic middle grade book. So Twins is his first um graphic novel it came out in 2020 so yeah he maybe he was having a middle grade slump and he wanted to delve into the graphic novel world because i think a lot of authors are just they're dipping they're dipping that those computer keys in lots of different genres and, and styles anyway so twins is about well twin twin sisters so we've got francine and maureen francine is very outgoing she's talkative she's social she has lots of friends And Maureen is, she's suffering from social anxiety. She gets very nervous talking in public. She's shy. She's also an A-plus student. So when the book opens, Francine and Maureen are on their way to the first day of grade six. And they're getting driven by their dad, who is a hilarious character throughout this story. He is the king of dad jokes, and his comments are so funny. And they're like, not part of like the major plot or anything, but he's just saying these things where I'm like, like just like cackling, like here and there. He's just, he's a great dad. You know, kids are going to like totally roll their eyes with it too, right? Which is exactly what he wants. That's what he wants. And the adult readers is just like, oh, (laughs) anyway. um, So they're starting grade six, first day of grade six. And Francine, she now wants to go by Fran. And she's wearing a hat because she wants to look different from her sister. So the two of them, their whole lives have done everything together. They've dressed identically. They've done the same extracurricular stuff. They've always been partners for class projects. They've always eaten the same food. And, you know, grade six starts. This is middle school. Like this is a big jump in, you know, the school chain. And Francine wants to be a little different. First, Maureen is a little upset. Well, she's more than upset because she doesn't understand why her sister is taking different classes, dressing differently, and then wanting to go by Fran. It's like, you're Francine, now you're Fran. Um, So we learn why some of these changes are happening. But the gist of it is that Francine wants them to be separated a bit because they want she wants to be her own person. And because Maureen is so shy, she gets nervous. Like she's nervous. She wants her sister to be there. She wants to be involved with everything that her sister is doing. And her sister's like, no, I'm going to run for class president. So what does Maureen decide? She's going to run for class grade six class president too. So that's what sparks the story is the two of them running for school council. It is an absolute delight. I loved every moment of the story. He does such a wonderful job. And I think he does. It's so brilliant is because Marianne Johnson is, has a twin brother. <laughs> so he knows how it feels. Know. And he knows this is like firsthand knowledge of being a twin. It's a great story. It was comfort reading for me at its best. It deals with family and siblings and all the challenges involved with those relationships. It has a new kid feel. So if you like Jerry Craft mm. series, definitely pick this up. It had like new kid all the way. Um, as well as um, Raina Teljemeyer and Smile and Sisters. Any of our, our young readers who enjoy those graphic novels will definitely love Twins. One of my favorite little jokes in the story, which is sort of like, not like you have to sort of see it or look for it again, written for the parents that are reading this book is the forever 21 joke because they're at the mall and there's a store called temporarily 22, (laughs) which I thought was just so funny. Um, It's great. I loved it. I love Varian Johnson. I think he's, he's just a lovely human. I will read anything he puts out. Definitely check out this graphic novel, Twins by Varian Johnson. My last middle grade pick for the month is The Swag is in the Socks by Kelly J. Baptiste. This book is so good. 
Um, so our main character is Xavier Moon. It's his 12th birthday, and he gets a gift from his great uncle, Frankie Bell. Frankie Bell's a musician, and he's not really there much because he's on the road a lot. So Xavier Moon, um, I should start with saying Xavier Moon lives with his great aunt Kat and his older sister, who's 16, and both of his parents are imprisoned. We don't really find out why they're in prison, but they are. So it's his 12th birthday. We meet him and he gets this gift from his uncle and it says, every man needs a trademark. Um, ironically enough, Xavier is has a stutter as well, which I didn't know when I picked up the book. So it's kind of funny how Mighty Inside and this kind of links to that. Um, but he gets these navy blue socks from his uncle with red and yellow polka dots on them. And he's like, what is this? So it's a challenge and an invitation to get yourself noticed, right? Like to have the confidence to put on those socks, right? Like that's a, for like a 12 year old boy, that's a big deal. Like you're not wearing those plain black socks with plain white socks. You're putting on these colorful socks. Me personally, I picked up this book because I love good socks. Like when I do story time at the library, I always wear fun socks because I always take my shoes off and kids are going to see those socks and be like, oh, look at, look at Miss Laura's socks today. So I just, I love socks. So this for me was like an easy, like pick up the book. It's fantastic. Um, So this is what I love about Xavier too. He's a 12 year old boy. He, he, he loves his Nintendo Switch. It's like makes lots of references to that um, throughout the book. I mean, it's an escape for him. It's a sense of entertainment. It's a little bit of everything for him. He find, gets more socks as the time goes on. He's, you know, his uncle is sending him more socks. And there's things happening in the book that we learn about Xavier having to find confidence in himself. Um, he's starting, you know, a new school. He's starting middle school and he wants to take the arts and the art class he wants is full. So he goes into the sewing class and he's like well what is this this isn't exactly what I wanted but he's got to find his place right this book is all about finding your place um, and having confidence to be a leader to excel to make your mark to leave your mark but what I love about this too is that it's also a, it's a great intergenerational story you know I mean his parents aren't there you don't really hear much about them but you learn about his relationship with his great aunt with his uncle Frankie Bell who isn't really there because he's traveling but you learn all about these wonderful things that these, you know, these people are doing and doing for Xavier and his sister. So I'm not going to give away much, too much about it. It's a great story. It's a fun story. You're going to feel emotions throughout it. But most importantly, I found it to be like a really fun story. I laugh throughout it. I mean, you root for Xavier. He's just a great kid who is a typical 12-year-old going through some things that, you know, not typical 12-year-olds go through. And I feel he handles it really well. And that is The Swag is in the Socks by Kelly J. Baptiste. I hope you pick it up because I loved it. It was great. That sounds awesome. I love the intergenerational yeah. theme. Yeah. I think that is something that I'm always looking for, especially in children. Totally. And yeah. it's one that is, it's just, it's in my next book, which is a nice segue. Intergenerational. There you go. You're welcome. Okay. So we're going to end on a fun, light, light note. My last book is called Dragons in a Bag by Zeta Elliott. Now this is the first in the Dragons in a Bag series. It was actually nominated for a Silver Birch Express Award in 2020. The follow-up, which I also read, is called The Dragon Thief. And there's a third called The Witch's Apprentice, which comes out this year. This is a great series. It's super fun. I enjoyed every minute of this one. It's urban fantasy at its finest. There's lots of magic and adventure and suspense. There's lots of like racing heart moments in the book. Okay, so what is it about? So the book opens with Jack and he is being dropped off at a curmudgeonly old lady's house. His mom needs to go to court because she needs to fight an eviction on their apartment. So there's some stress and there's big stuff going on. And he and she brings him, she has no other alternative. She doesn't know what to do with her son. So she brings him to this lady's house. As I was reading it, I was, I thought it was the grandmother. I just assumed it was his grandmother that he had he was estranged from and he didn't know. And we find out that this curmudgeonly mean old lady who really wants nothing to do with this young boy used to be his mom's babysitter. So she has ties to the family, but she is very much a grandmothery figure because Jax doesn't have like his, there's issues with his grandfather. 
his dad isn't around. His mom obviously is struggling and needing to do stuff to keep his him and her like housed. Like there's there's heavy stuff going on. So he goes to this woman's house. He's like, what is going? Like he's sort of like awkward. She's awkward until he finds a little bag of lizard. So I don't want to give too much away, but I will say that there's magic and he learns that this woman is a bit of she's not a witch but she has ties to another universe where things like dragons exist so he goes on this adventure she wants him to become like her apprentice with these dragons and it's just it's just a lot of fun it's um it's set has the urban setting of brooklyn which was very enjoyable and i love the fact jack's on this quest meets a lot of different people including his father there's a lot of unanswered questions in this book so like I said there are two follow-ups so you'll definitely want to pick up the follow-ups when you're done this is just a great a great adventure story great fantasy gave me like Alice in Wonderland vibes when he's going on these missions it was just super fun I loved it that's Zeta Elliot dragons in a bag okay so Laura do you want to end this episode with our take and make corner Yes, for sure. So don't forget on February 8th, um, our Take and Make kits will be available at both locations, the main library and at St. Paul. Our kit this month is really fun and hopefully we'll also get you to do a little bit more research as well as while you listen along with what we're doing um, in your kit you're going to find some cool information and an activity for you to, that goes along with uh, Black History Month and the Canadian tie to it all. Um, I hope that what we've covered this this month really gets you to take the time to do the little more research, to take the time to do have a little more understanding, and of course, check out some really great books. I also hope that you will maybe like expand your ears and listen to some really great music to go along with my pick, because I forgot to say that earlier. I'm like, I really hope that when you're reading that 50 Great Women that you listen to the music that they created, because I mean, YouTube is there. It's all accessible. It's there for you. So listen to yeah. the music. Listen to the music as you mm -hmm. create influential Canadian Black Canadian quilt, which you'll find in your take mates. Totally. So we want to see those too. Like if we want to see your coloring, your drawings, um, what you're learning about those important people in Canadian history. I believe mm -hmm. there are nine and each page includes like four um, quilt like blocks that you can like connect them. So please check that out. And we want to see them. Email us at info at brantfordlibrary.ca. And of course, I mean, if you're comfortable, you can always post things on our and tag us on your socials. We'd love to see what you're doing. Thanks so much for listening today. We hope we've introduced you to some new authors and children's titles. All the books discussed today are available in print and digital format on either Overdrive, Cloud Library, or Hoopla. Please visit brantfordlibrary.ca for more information about this podcast and other fantastic programs the library has to offer. Thanks. Bye-bye. Juicebox Book Talks is a Brantford Public Library podcast developed by Leanna Flumiani, that's me, and me, Laura Virag. Music provided by Purple Planet through purple-planet.com. 